to Chaos Considered, where we consider our weird, wacky, wonderful world and share the burden of knowledge. My name is Emily Roberts. My name is uh, Claire Mitteke. And this is our 11th episode, Claire. Can you believe we've made it this far? Oh my goodness, look at us grow and flourish and develop as human beings. This episode was already a challenge. I think I have to just put it out there in case this one ends up being a little bit longer than the other ones. And I know everyone who heard that is like, these are already almost an hour. Sis, you cannot do this. It's not legal. But I had to watch a TED Talk to understand my topic this week. And I'm usually good on reading just like, you know, a bunch of articles and stuff. I can kind of gather enough information and be good. But, like, boy, howdy. She was dense this week. Because we're talking about space, yes? Yes. And I feel like I need to put it out there. I think I mentioned it very early on, but space makes me highly uncomfortable. Yeah, it should. I feel like I've watched enough, like, Hollywood movies about space that um, the lack of what we know and the vast emptiness of it um deeply not emptiness that's not even correct but all the nonsense that's out there do you know how hard it is for me to envision space i mean i can kind of you know it's impossible yeah (laughs) like that's good for you that's good i'm happy for you because the thing is is that i have the ability to imagine things in my mind's eye but I genuinely, like, the vastness and the complexity of what's going on out there, like, no idea. And the amount of, like, beloved movie stars that I've seen fake die in die space. In space. <laughs> my relationship with it is... Um, we love the movie Alien. You know I would die on the cross for Sigourney Weaver. That's not even uh, up for discussion. Honestly, aliens could abduct me today, and I would thank them. Like, I think it's taken a lot for me to get to the point where I'm ready to be abducted by aliens, but 2020 has certainly made it the year where it's like, I think the least strange thing that would happen to me is if I was abducted by aliens. Well, it just feels like a very natural segue. I mean, there's been a lot of kind of abrupt things that have happened this year. There's been plenty of things that have been a long time coming, but there's just alien contact for sure is going to be the end of 2020. It just no, feels natural. There was always there's always some weird already some weird UFO stuff at the beginning of the year. I can't remember. This year is like the empty vacuum of space. Yeah, I um I definitely every time I see something that's like, "Hey, are we maybe not alone in the universe?" published by like a for real science uh, sciencey magazine. I'm like, um, I'm just gonna ignore that until that becomes a bigger issue for my personal life. Yeah. I am not ready. I, I say that I want to be abducted. I'm not ready to meet an alien. Just like, emotionally? I have social anxiety meeting people, oh, and I know yeah, like yeah, yeah. how people work. Like, I know how that social interaction is supposed to go. I still fail it, but I feel like. You have when the you script. mean alien, it's like I would just, I would just be like I am so sorry, I don't I I I I don't want to offend you like. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. On the other side, it is like a blank slate situation. That's true, but also the pressure 
the pressure of having to be the first human or one of the few humans they've had contact with. Like, mm. th- here's a PSA. You should not base any kind of human behavior off of who I am as a person and how I interact with people. I understand that that would be, I, I, I am now seeing it from your point of view. That would be um, a challenge. Yeah. Because like if, if, everyone... if I think about, um, I've had uh, my way of engaging in conversation be described as challenging. Conversation? So the idea of uh, conversing with an alien who then thinks that's how all humans converse. Because I don't want the alien to like go to another human and interact with them like I interact with people and then for that person to be like who did you get this information from mm-hmm. yes mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I don't want to be the one responsible for teaching hum- for teaching humanity humanisms to aliens essentially giving think, aliens the wrong script if we're talking about social an scripts an anthropologist you know mm-hmm. a, couple, a couple a couple linguists maybe some social science people you know, people who uh, understand people. I don't under again. I've, if I've said it once, I've said it a thousand times before. Every personality test I ever take says I'm a robot. So, so abduct me, but don't, but don't learn too much from me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Take what makes sense I and leave the rest. Think that's a life lesson for everybody. Take what makes sense and leave the rest. <laughs> Wow. I'm gonna tattoo that on my forehead. Please. Can you? I need to like. What? Oh, I just, I just need, I just need that like embroidered somewhere. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That feels like a very like. I'm a, I'm a forty year old soccer mom, and it's on my like, travel coffee mug. Like take what makes sense, but leave the rest. I've essentially skipped over. Um, the, the steps that would be required to be taken in order to become a 40-year-old uh, soccer mom. Uh, but that's just the, the physical practicality. In every, like, in the, the most spiritual sense, I am a 40-year-old soccer mom. I just want to be a divorcee on a beach, am I right? That's the energy that I bring to the table. Slightly embittered. Yeah. Generally mistrustful. Yeah. yeah. Trying too hard to have fun. And over fixating on things like giant squids. And Watergate. Speaking of which, we have agreed that we need to try the uh, Midwest concoction uh, Watergate salad. It was just like what? Fruit and whipped cream? It's like pistachios. Why did I say that? (laughs) Pistachios. Oh my god. I always say pistachios. Pistachios? Is that how you... Pistachios. Pistachios. Listen, I only ever ate pistachios when I was with my rich dad over the summer. So I think it's rubbed off on me in some weird subconscious way. Because normally I have the obnoxious St. Louis accent where we say eh for everything. Yes. Pistachios. Is that better? Yes, that feels right. Thank you. Um, it's pistachios. I think it's like some sort of whipped milk ingredient. 
Don't say whipped, whipped milk ingredient. Um, the thing is, is that it, look it, it looks, uh, speaking of alien, it does look deeply. It looks disgusting. Deeply not okay. But to be fair, Watergate, deeply disgusting okay, time here you go. in our lives. Pistachio pudding. Didn't know that was a thing. Let's start off right there. <laughs> Canned pineapple whip, whipped topping. So it doesn't have to be whipped cream. It just, it just has to be whipped. I topping. don't like. I don't like that. That's not really nailed down. I feel like that should be more of a concrete thing. What else can we whip? Uh, chemicals. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, uh, that's my bad. I should have realized. Pecans and marshmallows. I think one of the main ingredients is Cool Whip. That's fine. Which is imitation whipped cream. What is Cool Whip made of then? <laughs> I don't want to know. I do want to know. I always thought Cool Whip was whipped cream. I should have known it was not whipped cream. <laughs> I'm appreciating that you're verbalizing my exact thought process, which is like, I should have known. It's just, we're in the Midwest. And so, like, every, like, potluck, your grandma's going to whip out the biggest tub of Cool Whip you've ever seen in your life <laughs> and slap a bunch on whatever you're eating for dessert. Okay, it is made from water, vegetable oil, corn syrup, high fructose corn syrup, skimmed milk, light cream, less than 2%, um, a bunch of other weird stuff, some xanthan gum, um... Yeah, a bunch of chemicals. It's oh, available that's, I'm in fine an aerosol that. can. I know that. We all, we've all, uh, we've all tasted from partaken the cool, the cool can. <laughs> How dare you? How dare you? How dare you? All right, all right. So I think can I- you? Can you tell me your bad space information? Because I feel like we've been stalling (laughs) long enough, and I'm not. I am not into it. My skin is crawling. The next time we get together, we will. uh, We will make some Watergate salad, also known as that green stuff, which is very on brand for us. Oh, it doesn't look good. It doesn't look good. We're gonna try it. That's the promise. Okay. So, I want to preface my segment with if you are an astrophysicist or a theoretical physicist or an astronomer or anyone who knows space really good um i might get some things not completely correct or oversimplified i don't think any of those people are listening to this podcast yeah please be kind to me uh leave a five-star review on itunes (laughs) um Start with a positive affirmation and then hit me with your constructive. And then hit me with your constructive criticism. Please explain how space works. I I have consumed hours of information and I think I've got it, but who's to say? If I well, who's to say if I've got it well enough to explain to everybody else who's who's listening? I, I mean, I think everyone's still reeling from the cool whip discussion. <laughs> I love the idea how that we, how we do, people we, are like, what we, the hell is Cool Whip? This is the thing is that I feel like we've really torn cool, the Cool Whip operation wide open. Craft, <laughs> <laughs> we're coming for you. <laughs> no okay. one's safe. So this week, we are talking about Planet Nine. Do you know anything about Planet Nine? Good Lord, of course not. Okay. Uh, can I tell you, I was... 
I don't want to. I am. I am stalling. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I literally spent so much time and energy researching this that I had a dream that I was writing my notes and I was trying to write out all the planets of the solar system, but I kept writing the wrong planet. Like, we're like, I kept writing things that were not planets. And I was like, no, I know Mars. I'm like, I know Mars is, but that's def that's definitely not a planet. So I kept crossing plant like. I can I tell you, out. I'm gonna be totally transparent with you. I don't think I know what the planets of our solar system are. How how many can you name? Because <laughs> I'm gonna talk about some planets as reference points, and I'm worried <laughs> no. that there's nothing there for you. I'm no, <laughs> it is. It is just an empty. My knowledge you gotta of put space. Your phone down, Claire. No. This is gonna be no no cheats. I want only cheats though. If you want a reference Can point, you, you know planets. I don't have. Can you name three out of the eight planets? The- <laughs> Earth is. Earth is one. You got it, bud. Jupiter. Jupiter is one. <laughs> Saturn. Yes. You got three. You got three. And Mercury. Mercury is one. All I know is that it's retrograde. Yes, that's all I got. We got Mars. Is that five? Have we said Neptune? No. Okay. Uranus. Though I have to say, I was watching a TikTok and the guy called it Uranus. Uranus. I've heard heard that. Which I feel like is the coward's way out. Yes. The coward's way out, but equally as bad because you're just saying urine. It's either urine or anus, and you have to accept that. You have to accept it's a bad name. This is the thing is that, like, we know what you're doing when you say urinus. And that makes it worse. Because you're making me say it in my brain, and then also saying an equally bad word. Pistachio. (laughs) Pistachio. It's urinus. It's uranus. There's no right answer. There's only bad ones. There's only bad answers. Anyways. So there, and you might have known, when we were talking about Planet Nine, we are not talking about Pluto, which used to be Planet Number Nine. So I want to get that one out of the way, too. This is is not Pluto that we're talking about. Okay. Though, honestly, justice for Pluto. Yeah, rip. Rip Pluto. Never forget. Never forget. There's probably people who are young enough to be like, Pluto was a planet? Like, ugh. Get out of here. Okay, so here's the background that you need to know before we get into this. Oh, God. (laughs) So we live in a solar system. (laughs) Yes, thank you for starting there. Awesome, great. Right? So you know that Pluto... Pluto... (laughs) Continue. God, okay. So out around Pluto, right? That's the farthest away from our sun we're getting far out in the outer reaches of our solar system so out beyond pluto it's just a bunch of icy bits okay so there's a bunch of these icy bits right there's these icy bits and these dwarf planets and these other little celestial bodies all hanging out in the cold backyard of our solar system and scientists have been studying them for a little while now yeah, it's kind of hard to see back out there because it's so far away. Yeah. Um, but scientists have been learning more about 
the icy bits and fields of icy bits um, out beyond Pluto. And they notice that they all have a weird orbit. The icy bits. The icy bits. So, like, other dwarf planets, um, other, like, like sizable things. Like, I know when I say bits, it feels, like, little. But, like, you know, like, things that were that can be comparable to Pluto. Okay. Right? They've noticed that some of these things have these really strange um, elongated orbits. Okay. So, basically, they look like a really elongated oval, um, which is sort of irregular for what you would expect. And the only way they can have that is if they were, quote-unquote, like, slingshot off of a very dense object. So, like, the way that gravity works is sort of they enter the gravitational pull of a bigger, denser object, and then as they leave, they're kind of, like, fired, and so it creates, like, an oval, if that, that makes out. sense. So yeah, yeah, that makes sense. oval. And you can look and see, like, which direction it's pointing to see, like, where generally that thing must be. Okay. So they see all these things there, and they think, you know, they're like, okay, something has to be there. Except there's nothing there. Mm. Uh, mm. Yeah. <laughs> Keep in this is our solar system. This uh, is our solar system. <laughs> so in 2015... Um, Constantine Batkin? I, I I might mispronounce that. I'm sorry, bro. I'm trying to do it. I'm trying to do you right. And Mike Brown announced research on Planet Nine, which was their explanation for the reason why all of those icy bits had irregular orbits. Okay. So Based on the orbits, like, they do all these calculations, the planet would have to have about a mass that's about ten times that of Earth. And it would a have bi- a ten- A big um. A, a big um. Like, a big planet. Like, not a little planet, not a dwarf planet. How like, are we missing this giant planet? Yeah. <laughs> that's a good <laughs> question. And it would have um, about a 10,000 to 20,000 year orbit around the sun. Ah. Because it's so far away. Okay, okay. And to compare it to other planets, it is a about like a Uranus <laughs> or Neptune-sized planet. So bigger than Earth, bigger than Mars, like big, like a big planet. Big um. Since 2015, we have not found this planet. Hmm. Ah. So, just the idea, honestly, the idea that there's just a massive planet hanging out in our solar backyard, as they, as the kids say, is just absolutely wild. But. So the, like the, 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 like the visual, the way that my brain's making say, like sense of something that's like bigger than my brain can really comprehend is mm-hmm. that like all our, my little planet friends are the little neighborhood that I live in and I'm out here raising my children. Lovely, lovely, lovely. And then there's a giant mansion 
at the end of the street. But I can't see the mansion. All I can see is like basketballs and baseballs and like stuff being played with in the backyard. So like there has to be a space there, but there's no space. And like that's where my kids get abducted to. Yeah, it's like like it's like the earth is a baby and planet 9 would be like a full-grown human being. It's like how do you miss that? You know what I mean? Like that's that's big. You know what I mean? Like that's big. Like it's 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 big. But so I, okay, I well before we go on, I want to gauge you just in general. How would you feel if there was a ninth planet in our solar system? Well, I feel like as we've discussed before, my understanding of the solar system is like non-existent. So like if you had just been like, ah, yes, the ninth planet, we all know about this one. Yes. And I would have been like, of course, the ninth planet, the one I learned about in school. <laughs> Silly, Emily. We all knew about that. So the information that we have an extra like planet, that's fine. But like the low grade dread that I am like feeling with my invisible planet friend that's like gigantic. Yeah, it's, it's not good. It's not good. Yeah, because basically the the thought is it's really hard to see because it's so far away that it's just very dark that far from our sun. And and also because of its orbit around the sun, like the like it's difficult to find where it will be. Like seen from Earth, just a behemoth in disguise. That yeah, we just can't well, it's also see like it's so extremely far far away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it would be tiny look if we looked at it. So just like, the huge. idea that like the scale we're working with right now is so far beyond my comprehension. But we've also like we've found and named like smaller bodies out in that general direction, right? And we know and we're able to track them and calculate stuff, and we still haven't found it. But uh. some scientists think that there are other explanations for why these um, gravitational anomalies are happening. So keep in mind, whatever is causing this has to have a mass that's about 10 times that of Earth. That just is, that's the baseline understanding we're going That's on, a car fact. Right? It has to have enough mass in order to affect um, the orbits of these other bits, of these icy bits. So another theory is that Planet Nine is actually a big disk of icy debris which might cause enough collective gravity to affect the object. And that one is from, um, that is Anne-Marie Madigan's theory. Okay. 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 Yeah. So not like a planet, but just like uh, a, a floating junkyard. Like a, yeah, like a big junkyard, and each of the little bits has its own gravitational pull. And when you but put together. it all together, it has the, but again, like it, this would have to be, you know, we should be able to find this if it's there. You know, that's, I think, that thing that comes down to where it's like, again, the scientists just don't know. Like, the scientists are working on it. They've been working on it since 2015. Yeah. Um, that's what the really, the grand thing of is we barely know anything about our own solar system. Um, who's to know what's in all of the other hundreds of millions of billions of galaxies yeah. in our yeah, universe? Yeah, yeah. Who knows what they're doing? I hope they're having a nice day. 
so we're going to get to the current biggest theory and the one that um, messed with me the most. Um, so the current biggest theory and the one I think that they're kind of actively leaning and looking toward um, is that this the orbit this is so challenging <laughs> the orbit is caused by a primordial black hole the size of your fist mm. ah so what are primordial black holes <laughs> i'm sure you're asking yourself yes. that's what i asked myself because i was like i know what a black hole is movies make that seem pretty scary What's a primordial black hole, which arguably sounds even scarier than a black it, hole? It sounds very spooky. Please break that down for me. Okay. I had to, mommy had to drink her wine. <laughs> so. A quick squig. Black holes. This is my very rudimentary understanding of black holes, so forgive me, please. Black holes usually happen when stars... Sorry, when the cores of stars. You got this. You got this. Okay. Also, you could tell me anything and I'd believe you. I know. <laughs> and I love that about you. <laughs> it turns out everything I've told you on this podcast is fake. <laughs> God, I wish. <laughs> right, me too. Black holes usually happen when stars die. Okay. Um, and when the core of the star collapses in on its own gravity. Okay. Because usually the star is expelling energy, like its core is pushing outward, that yeah, it combats yeah, yeah. its gravity. But when it dies, all of that condenses right on in, and you get a black hole. And it okay. keeps sucking stuff in. To where? Who knows? Uh, I, I don't like that. that. I don't like the idea of collapsing stars and black holes, just in general. Um, and that's all I'm explaining about how um, black holes are made because I hate space and I didn't want to read that much about black holes and I'm not accepting criticism but we're talking about primordial black holes Okay. this is going to freak your beans okay so literally this is okay. not like a turn of phrase primordial black holes form in the split second after the universe big banged Okay. So when everything expanded. Yes. So in between n n hot, dense state to everything expanding, there's literally like probably like a split second, like one second in which those gaps formed black holes. Okay. Like, so like since, since the, like, since the, the beginning, since, yeah. Or at the beginning with, like, the Big Bang and all that jazz. These have existed. Yes. So, theoretically, if there was a primordial black hole, it would be, like, as old as the universe itself. <sighs> Which, it, it means nothing to my brain. So. Yeah. No, yeah, my brain has just um, said yes and threw it away. And its formation, it has something to do with dark matter. But dark, I also didn't go into dark matter because dark matter freaks me out. Um, I don't like thinking about dark matter. Dark matter is, like, the opposite of matter, but it exists, and we know it exists, but we can't see it or measure it, or, like, I don't know. I don't like it. I don't like the idea of <laughs> antimatter. I'm putting it out there. I'm I can't holding it close it to my chest, like and it's not sparking joy. 
Yeah, I'm considering Dark Matter, and I'm like, hmm, no thank you. Um, so, again, this pr- particular primordial black hole is the size of your fist. And let's remember, it's the size of our fist, but has ten times the mass of Earth. Ah. So, because I, I, I think I tend to think of black holes as holes. Like, I don't think of them as having, like, mass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know gravitational pulls gravity density uh science so can we find it though if it is a primordial black hole which again this is also i I actually mentioned that primordial black holes are theoretical so scientists think that they could exist yeah but they haven't found them yet okay so they're like we based on what we know about black holes and about how space works which might add not a lot but based on how we know space works, listen, I don't like space. Space is like the ocean, but worse. Yes, no, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Because it's not on my I would agree planet. With that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. At least the ocean, we have to take a little bit of ownership for. Like, there's bad things, but that's it's our bad, bad things. things. But, it's, but we all came from the same amoeba. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, God. Okay. So, um, can we find it? Yes, we can. Here's how we can find a primordial black hole. If, if it is a primordial black hole and not a giant planet that is causing these, either one would be pretty exciting. I think we can all agree that the, the disk of floating ice bisque, 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 ice bisque. <laughs> Space bisque. Okay. I think we can all agree that one's, like, the least exciting one. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of like our I'm, three options. I'm sorry, uh, Anne-Marie, but that one's just not... It's not as spicy. The imagine- yeah, it's not as spicy as either a teeny tiny thing or a really big thing. Versus local junkyard. That's very big, very impressive. Also, can I tell you, I made the mistake of reading about black holes. I will say I did read about black holes. And I knew, like, the only I thing I knew know. about supermassive black holes was the terrible song that played during the baseball scene of Twilight. Girl, you know I haven't watched that. It turns out black holes have, like, supermassive black holes have the density of billions of dead stars. Or just billions of stars. Oh. I don't know. They're super big. They're super dense. I just thought I'd throw that out there since we're talking about a baby primordial black hole. A threat. It is a threat. Yeah, supermassive black holes are a threat, and I don't like them, and I don't care for them. And um, so how can we find a primordial black hole? <laughs> the people want to know. Where is she hiding? I'm begging. I'm losing my mind. We can look for radiation. That is expelled because, and this is a quote. This is this quote. Bo- this quote bothered me. <laughs> okay. Small bodies that approach it will melt as a result of heating from the accretion of gas and interstellar medium onto the black hole. Can I just say I didn't think that melting was a part of what happened to you when you got too close to a black hole. But apparently, yeah, melting is involved. I have no idea anything about black holes. 
I just really did kind of just envision it as a hole that you kind of tripped into in the universe or that like sucked you in. And then we're like, whoops, where'd you go? That's, that was my like cartoon. Like I, vision of it. yeah, it might, yeah, in my head you just go through, but I think really you just become a part of a mega dense thing. You melt down. I don't understand. Someone don't explain it to me. Someone don't. And we still haven't found it though. We are looking. There are still articles happening right now. They're like, we're looking for it though. We're looking for that black hole. We're gonna find it. So our eyes are peeled. It's been five years, and we know something's out there. Don't know what it is. Don't know where it is. But uh, that's our own solar system. So. Uh, goes to show there's always something new to learn there's always um, bad things there's always bad things close to home um and there's also bad things away from home yeah down so, the street either a mansion or a primordial black hole a primordial black hole like that's like knowing that something was like throwing like really heavy rocks you're like that must be a really big thing and you walk in and it's like an ant and you're like excuse me sis what are you doing and then you get close to the ant and then you melt and become one yes ah so i hate space that's um planet nine also every time i like heard or said planet nine i feel like my brain was trying to make a reference but i couldn't figure out what the reference was is there a song that's like Love Potion number nine or something? I, I mean, we know how bad my memory is. Why am I asking? You can ask Google. <laughs> you have Google. Mamba the fact that you would nine? ask me is Is Mamba number bullying. nine something? Yeah, Mamba number... Is it nine or six? It's five. Mom- <laughs> I was closer, okay? It's Love Potion number nine is a film. Okay. What is this about? Who does it star? Unlucky in love, chemist Paul Matthews, Tate Donovan, visits... mm, uh, They say gypsy, but please don't say that word. That word's not a good word. I don't like that that's the official way that they're referring to a woman. Not not good. For help. Quickly realizing he's a hopeless nerd. She gifts him with love potion number eight. Which makes anyone wears, who wears it irresistible to the opposite sex for four hours. Hey, guess what? My fight or flight, fully triggered. This movie, it was made in the 90s. Ah, uh, yes. The creepiest time. And I can already tell, I would hate it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything about it seems bad. Yes? It has Sandra Bullock in it, so. Listen, Sandra. Come on, Sandra. Let's not do this to ourselves. Oh, wow. Okay. Let's see if we can do this. So my notes on this one are a little bit messy. But... um, Ooh, she's messy. Ooh, she's messy. So I might have to flip to the back page. Um, But I'm just not going to... I'm not going to overthink it. I'm just going to be in this space with you. Okay? Let's just be... Let's just commune. 
Let's just commune in this space together. I need to heal. I did more damage to me this week than I did to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw you inflicting psychic, psychic, excuse me. I saw you (laughs) inflicting. (laughs) That's my favorite Pokemon, Psychuck. I got ahead of myself. I was just going to say, I just saw you inflict more psychic damage than Psyduck does on a regular basis to other people. I don't know. Listen, it didn't plan out. It didn't pan out? Plan out? I, you know, I'm going to give up on my head. All right. I feel like we learned about some upsetting stuff. You inflicted a lot of psychic damage to yourself, and that's on you. I also didn't love hearing about space because, you know, we've established how we feel about space in this space. So what I would like to talk to you is um, uh, a river. Uh, A river on Earth. And I felt like that would be a nice way to just kind of ground us. It's not. Because, can I tell you, Mississippi does not spark joy. No, it's pretty nasty down in St. Louis. It's nice up here. I can see it from my window, but it's nasty down there. Yeah, yeah. And I'm just pretty sure there's, like, some catfish down there that would, like... Girl, don't even get me started on River Monsters, the TV show. (laughs) You don't even know how much Animal Planet I watched as a kid. Is that even on Animal Planet? I watched a lot of weird TV as a kid. That's okay. That's, I mean, River Monsters was marketed for children. I think so. I'm pretty sure it was. Like, they didn't go out and say it, but that's, that, that's essentially what it was marketed for. Did you see, like, it was, like, some news article where they're like, people think that the Loch Ness Monster is a giant catfish. And I'm like, probably. I was like, makes me, <laughs> makes me sad because you know I just would love the Loch Ness Monster not to be a catfish. I've always said that since day one. Please don't let the Loch Ness Monster be a catfish. Listen, I feel like maybe we should make catfish more magical. Rebrand it. Rebrand it. So they're not just magical girl, a magical girl like show, but she transforms instead of like to this like really cool, cute, like magical person it's like catfish but we want to remake ponyo but this time catfish with a catfish mermaid instead i think okay i can see that i can see i love catfish listen today what i'm what i'm going to be talking about essentially deals with that idea of like what do we consider myth and legend what do we consider a river oh what do we consider a river and then also like just because we know the name for a thing or we know more information about it doesn't mean that it is any less, like, awesome. Right? So I want to talk to you about the Boiling River in central Peruvian Amazon. Oh. She's boiling. She is a warm one, my kid. So Ooh, take this a dip. Is, this is the thing, is that technically she, uh, her highest temperatures that she reaches is just below boiling. So boiling water 
uh, water boils at uh, 212 Fahrenheit. And the highest that this river gets to is about 200 Fahrenheit. So just even, below. You can make some spaghetti in that river. Oh, 100%. And downside, do the carcasses of animals that have fallen in the river kind of litter the surrounding area? Bro, For sure. Can I, yes, can of I course. consider? Is this just, is this river just soup? Yes. Soup with like probably some living things in there that we haven't really fully discovered. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, yeah. But it's soup, right? It's ma- it's very nice soup, for sure. It's 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 been cooking some stuff for a couple thousand years. Yes. Oh, man, I would drink it. Would you drink the river? Uh the guy who uh studied it has had tea from it. Nice. Nice. Okay. So uh, his name is Andreas Russo, so he didn't discover it by any means. So he heard from his, he grew up in uh, Lima, Peru, and his grandfather told him stories of, like, this river in the Amazon that was boiling, right? And it was like, there was, like, legends surrounding people that went uh, into the Amazon and searched for gold and came back telling of this river that was boiling, and so Andreas um, grows up, becomes uh, a, a delightful scientist friend, and says, so what if that is true? And so he gets some pushback from people saying, okay, well, the only real existence of like boiling rivers that we've seen thus far have been um, around volcanoes and what have you. And there are no volcanoes in this area. The closest one is like 400 miles away. That can't be it. Um, and kind of just like, stop kind of like listening to this legend. It's, it's kind of dumb. You're going to be kind of discredited as a scientist. If you continue to pursue this, he got some, some of that feedback. So he's telling his aunt, Hey, guess what? Um, I'm, I am, I'm going to kind of, I'm looking into this right now. I'm interested in what the implications of this like boiling river could be. And she was like, oh, yeah, I know about the Boiling River. I know where it is. And he was like, what? I love, see, it's like asking people if they believe in ghosts. You never get the answer you expect. (laughs) You never get the answer you expect. Well, it turns out um, that his aunt had befriended the wife of a powerful shaman um, who was kind of like the... I don't know. Like he, he like lived um, or in the community where this like river is and was kind of like the, the, I don't know. He was just like, he's the leader there. Right. Um, So Andreas was the first geoscientist granted a shamanic blessing to study this river. And so um, he's been, uh, he's been doing that. So, There was, like, a number of theories of, like, what this could be. Of, like, okay, is there a volcanic, like, feature that we're missing? No. No volcanoes. Is this a result of drilling? No. Essentially, I think the theory that they have right now, what what they believe is that. Let me do a really cute page flip. Um, so the meteoric waters, so the, the, like, the rain and precipitation in the Amazon falls down uh, to these deep-rooted faults where it travels to the crust. Um, and it has to travel at least 
uh, 1.4 kilometers down into the Earth's crust, at least. And that's underestimating it. They're like, this. that is 100% underestimating because, like, on the way back up, it would be cooling. It has to go down at least um, 100, uh, 1.4 kilometers, but probably goes deeper than that. And it has to shoot up at, like, an incredibly, like, I can't remember, it, it, like, incredibly fast rate and then it the, the it goes through these faults fed into hot springs which feed into the river which like this is like the first time that they've ever studied anything like this um so yeah they said that the water could be coming as far as way uh, from as far as way as the the glaciers and the andes um and then let's see and then the river itself is about the width of two, uh, like a two-laned road. The average temperature, so we say the highest I can get would be, the highest it normally gets is about like 200 Fahrenheit. It, its average is 186. Uh, it cooks animals in seconds. Yum. Soup. <laughs> Yum. Yeah, the guy, uh, he ended up like describing the process of it, and I was like, not great because it was like he's, he was like it's they start cooking by the eyes and then the outside starts cooking and then they start choking on water and then start cooking from the inside and i was like oh geez louise hmm delicious so the river is uh 5.5 miles long and uh 3.8 of the miles are um hot so anyways I don't know. I really like the super, super hot river. It's very hot. It's very on brand. And how it cooks its friends. I like the idea of, like, I like what he's done with the information that he has. Um, He's he's kind of used this as a platform to be like, hey, we need to protect this forest. Because right now, people could just, like, come in and destroy it. It's not protected. Um, and we need to protect it for a lot of reasons, the, the indigenous communities that are in there right now, on top of just like how fascinating it is from a scientific per- perspective, how um, important it is spiritually to the communities and all that jazz. So um, let me see if I can. I think this just like goes to like, we as a modern Western culture, there's been lots of instances of this where like, traditional cultures or native cultures will be like hey this is the how things are the way things are and we're like oh you're just like making these things up for fables or we can't possibly understand like this must be some kind of metaphor and it's like no there's like literally a, a boiling river like absolutely right and also this idea of like what we kind of like our western values of like valuing valuing like the, the written word, like if it hasn't been written down, we don't believe it. So not believing people whose um, way of history or storytelling is not like if they, they, you know, discrediting oral tradition or whatever. So I, I, I just thought this was like a, a I don't know. I, I really, I really enjoyed um, this story and what he's doing with it. And I will absolutely be giving links to his uh, website where he's kind of like, this is what you can do to help. And what yes, have you for of sure. course um i know like even like as a history major i had professors who were like yeah 
oral tradition, like oral traditions, he can't really use those as primary sources, and it's like, okay, like disagree, hard, di- hard disagree, but whack, yeah, pretty much. So, um, that was a really. I'm sorry. I'm just. I'm ex- I'm. I'm. I'm weary, y'all. This one got me. This one. This got one me got good. you. Just on every level. End of a work day too. Like, oh don't yeah, stop, I work. Stop. I have a job. You worked, and then were emotionally exhausted by the the the, the deep badness that was space. space. But I do like the boiling river. I think I've heard about that. Yeah. I feel like I hear about lots of things, and then it's stored very vaguely. And then you've mentioned like, oh yeah, he heard this legend. He went and he found it. I was like. Wait a minute. Yeah, this is, listen. read something about it. That's essentially how my uh, brain space works in general. Like, if I know any information, I have somewhat forgotten it already. Like, Mm -hmm. the moment I perceive it, I only have, like, the vaguest grasp on what this concept is about. So, if you've heard it before, that's okay. Because I'm, it's a gentle reminder and calling to you the facts that you already have in your own heart. Are you ready for the would you rather, Claire? Yes, please. This one's a little bit, I don't want to say, like, targeted or niche, but I think that you do have to, let me just say it. Claire, if, okay, assuming that you were in a shoujo manga, would you rather have the role of the shoujo manga heroine or the shoujo manga love interest? Good God. Good God. Which would you, and you have to have the characteristics classically that they have. Good God. So obviously it has to be love interests, right? Because. You would rather be the love interest. Hear me out. Uh, and then, because, listen, I'm also, in, I'm invested in hearing your side of things because I, this is just like the ramblings of. Of a mad woman. Of a mad woman. So. My thought process is love interest because a lot of times in these stories, there are the people that are like, this is not always, it's not across the board, but if we're talking about like some trends that if I Or like, think about like a YA, I kind of think YA novels do the same thing. Like, would you rather be the heroine in the YA novel or like the love interest in a YA novel? I think you could, I think that could be the same, would you rather? Right? So like, if teen, I'm thinking like- Girl oh. teen fiction is pretty same across multiple cultures. Yeah, yeah, no, it, it checks out the same way. I would say- Love interest because I feel like I have like the money and the I have like money or power or am you want a brood? Cool, <laughs> a brood. You want a brood? I I'm you already doing that. I'm already doing that. <laughs> you just want to look kidding? handsome while you do it. I just want to be yeah. I want my brooding to have a seducting a seductive quality which it now lacks. Presently, mm. my brooding is just. Depression. Depression. But if I could rebrand that as like, <laughs> like a sensual, like contemplative uh, sadness, like you don't understand. I have a dark past. I have My a dark past. Hate me. My twin brother's dead. Yeah, they always have a dark past, but I don't feel like it's ever as dark as like the main they character. Think it is? Because I feel like they're always like, the reason why I'm so distant is because, like, my dad didn't hug me enough. And then, like, the pro- like the protagonist is like, people say I'm too beautiful. 
Well, it depends, because then sometimes the protagonist, though, is the one who's like, I've been a servant wench for the past 30 years, <laughs> and my feet are bloody stumps, but I'm cute while I do it, but I have no friends, and I'm so sad, and someone just kicked me because they saw me looking weak in a corner. Like, just, like, nonstop, they have, like, the worst luck until the very end where they get with the person who has the money and the broodiness. See, I feel like you went like the 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 very dramatic route cuz I think I would want to be the heroine. And here's Break it down. why. Break it down, yeah. She has to try so little in order to get the hottest guy <laughs> there. does not have to improve herself in the least okay and when she does put on some makeup even more people fall in love with her you know what i mean that is it's true like, i wouldn't want to be the hot guy because like every single show is like and then all of these people were fawning over him and he was running away from all these crowds of girls and he has this rival it's like the hardest choice I would have to make is which broody boy to choose. <laughs> and you're and like, I'm not going to choose the nice one. No. <laughs> we love a bad boy. But this thing, I think, Don't worry. you really He's nailed nice on the crux sometimes. of the bad, the, the broody bad one is essentially, like, fending off, like, 20 suitors. Yeah, everyone's are. just falling in love with her. She's crying. All, I'm already but crying the all the time, so I would love the excuse. But the like protagonist it's, it's, has, like, three possible options. Yeah. Some kind of childhood friend, if the childhood friend is not the love interest already. Which yeah. he probably is. He's some, yeah, depending on the, the childhood interest. Yeah, okay. I like I see I see that that energy, right? I think it just really depends on what kind of a train wreck you want to be. Like I don't want to have to change any um like I don't want to have to be popular. <laughs> this is the thing. I know I have a podcast, but if anyone actually looked at me in real life, I would cry. Well, the thing is is that I I think what you're hitting on is that we already have the behavior of the protagonist down. <laughs> yes, exactly. We just we just need the results change. So I have the I have the angst. Yeah. I have the the lack of putting yourself out there. Mystery. And I Paul. have unrequited loves. Boom. Boom. That side of my side of my side of the equation as a protagonist, done. Um I fall sometimes over nothing because my ankle gives out. Oh my god. You are Ooh. the protagonist now. Wow. I'm the protagonist. Now and you I just cry need a s- lot. Not now you need someone to like catch you in slow-mo. I do. Or you need to like run into him and then like you drop all your books on the floor. And then I have a whole inner monologue about how he's the most handsome guy in school. But ev- or, or everyone's afraid of him, even though he's very handsome. But he gets into <laughs> fights, I hear. <laughs> Girl, should we make a podcast where we like, talk about shoujo manga? Oh, God. Yes, obviously, of course. That's our next one. <laughs> That's the next one. That's our how, next one. How successful do we have to be with this one to start one where we just discuss 
I mean, we could start at any point. I feel like it's, like, the effort that you're going to have to put in is so much less than the... We don't put in so much effort with this one. But, like... (laughs) I think, think, honestly, there could be something there. We're laughing, but, like... But, like... (laughs) I mean, it could be fun. We'll talk about it later. We'll talk. We'll commune. We'll commune with the... We'll commune with the the good old gods and, uh... And see if we want to dis- if we want to. Um... Ooh, the shojo showdown. We each bring a shojo manga and argue which one is more shojo. I just feel like the entire time we're gonna have to be apologizing for how sexist it is. Well, yeah. Oh, well, but I, yeah. But I feel like <laughs> we have to. We we would we would have to. We would have to, um, and of course, when we say manga, we're we were we're also including manhua. 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 I forgot what the the Chinese word for manga is as well. My brain holds no information. It's perfectly. My smart. brain holds no information, but I feel like there's some like hallmarks of the shoujo girls oh, comics. Yeah. 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 Oh god, that'd be Are so we, dark. Yeah, we could just we could <laughs> This could be a thing. <laughs> I'm just I'm one bad day from starting a shoujo manga podcast. Or depending how you look at it. One good day. One really good day. I'm already reading it, so I might oh, you're already deep in it. I'm already deep in it. Girl, we could have a whole series just on skip beat. We would have to divide it into arcs and discuss each arc. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, so God. if you want to hear that, uh, Maddie Lane, just say, I would want to hear that, and we'll do it. The amount of times they have betrayed us. And by I like us, I mean me. The amount like of times they had... have betrayed me. Oh. I like how we've had um, three. I'm going to be I'm gonna be generous. Because we record this obviously ahead of time of when we release it, because that's how time works. <laughs> I can't believe we've had three on time releases, and we're already like, let's add another one. <laughs> that may be so. Kiss, kiss, fall in love. Stop. Kiss, kiss, fall in love. <laughs> more or less embarrassing than this book. <laughs> I think that's where I, the episode should end. Perfect. We can still we do that. Can, we can still we can still end as like a separate little clip. 
No, I think that we should uh, keep this in. Like, play the outro music, but stop it. <laughs> Put this in. <laughs> play the outro music after this. Uh, please go on to iTunes. Give us a rating wherever you like us. Uh, we are now releasing this open to our friends and family, which is terrifying. But thank you for listening. Uh, we appreciate your support. Where can the people find us? Uh, you can find us at Chaos Considered, our Instagram, and we also have a Twitter. Oh, I made uh, a Tumblr today. You made a Tumblr? Yes! <laughs> so maybe I'll reblog some of the posts that inspired some of the things we researched. I love that. I love that. I love that. And my plan is, because I have time and people are now listening as the ad She's reader. She's got too much time on her hands. Anyways, I will be actually posting to uh, our platforms in 2011. I've been saying that for a minute. She's been saying that for a couple weeks now. <laughs> all right, and oh. we all know what we know. <sighs> She's just Anyways, quirky. I think that's a wrap. She's the show to Mongo. Oh